One thing that's true for all moms, we have a lot of stories to tell. Some are silly, some are gross, some bring us to tears. With each story that's shared, another mom feels a little less alone. So join us as we laugh, learn, and grow together. It's the iMom Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the iMom Podcast. This week's story comes from Susan, the creator of iMom and mother of five grown children. I'm Abby. I'm a mom of two elementary age boys. And joining us today are Megan, who is one of Susan's kids. And she's a mom to a toddler. And then Chloe, who's iMom's social media manager. And today's story from Susan is called I Spy. I do spy. I did spy. And that's why <laughs> and that's why I can tell the story because my kids are all grown and they know I spied. Um, so this is kind of controversial at the time that a lot of this stuff was going on. I remember we had an article and we called it the mom mafia. Yeah. And it was an, a controversial article because in it I talked about having this relationship with other moms and literally keeping tabs on your kids and each other's kids so you knew what they were doing. And a lot of people wrote in and said, well, that you can't do that. That's invading their privacy and I would say this was this was my stance and it still is today you know God says train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart it from it and back in the day when my parents were parenting us you would not let your child go to another parent's house unless you knew them and you knew where they were all the time and you knew who they were playing with and yet today Our kids go into chat rooms, they go on social media, they get online, they go to people's homes because many of us live in bigger cities now and you don't know where they are. And that's not the way the family was designed. If kids were able to take care of themselves from the time they were born, they wouldn't need parents. And so it's our job as parents to train them up. And part of that training is to watch over them and to protect them and to train them how to live life safely and productively so that when they do, let's say, go off to college or they graduate from high school and get a job and they live on their own, they will understand how to be safe, productive, and good people. Mm -hmm. And hopefully believe in God too, was my goal. But if we don't do that, then they are not learning from us. They are not being trained by us they're just doing what their friends are doing or whatever other kids are doing. And kids are fun, but they're also foolish. And that's reality. They haven't learned a lot of these lessons. Now, some lessons, it's great for them to learn. But I, my kids, we live in a larger city, the Tampa Bay area, and they went to public high school. They they went to a private school before that. And then they went into public school. And there were Lots of things, temptations, things to do, things not to do that we really had to guide them through. And um, especially when they were in high school, I spied. And let me tell you, I was the worst kind of spy because God aided me in that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to tell the story of one of my boys uh, who was on a championship football team. So there are lots of cool kids on that team Mm -hmm. and they were doing lots of cool things. Well, I was the team mom of this team, and it was pretty involved. I was up at you the- You show up with orange slices at things? No, a lot more than that. No, <laughs> it was a lot more than cookies. <laughs> we were literally serving them dinner twice a week. Jeez. It was a big operation, and they were a great team, and there were 95 kids on the team. Oh, goodness. And so it was a lot of volunteering. But anyway, 
I kind of, you know, was there at the field house at practice every night, kind of knew most of the boys actually had most of the boys living in my guest house on the weekends, um, the kids that didn't want to go home. And so I would hear things, I would know things, but there came a point when my son moved up from JV to varsity that, uh, particularly his junior year, where he started, there was just became this tension, you know, and we, I kind of, my radar was kind of up, like what's going on again? He's in, he's up with the big, the big guys now and this fabulous team and they are just rocking and they think they own the universe and they pretty much did at school. But he was getting kind of like, there was just, you know, as a mom, you kind of feel like something's not right. He's not, he's not being disrespectful, but there's just this tension and it really started weighing on my heart. And so my eyes were opened a little bit wider when I was up at the field house. I was kind of paying attention with who, who he was hanging out with and I wasn't getting any answers and I was kind of getting frustrated. Like, why is he being so just mm, tense with me? And uh, I was at a game one night and all of a sudden, at the time, this was, you know, what, 10 years ago, more than 10, actually. No, almost exactly 10 years ago. Apple was making a lot of updates. He had a cell phone at that time, but most of my kids were on my Apple ID because at that time you didn't really have your own. If your kids wanted to buy music, they had you, you had the credit card. So they were all using my ID. They didn't have their own contacts. And all of a sudden I was at a football game and I had to uh, text somebody who was up in the, um, up in the, what do you call it? Box press box, press box about something. I was on the field running, running some show and I couldn't find his contact. And I was like, what is going on in my phone? And all of a sudden I had my daughter's contacts and I called her and I said, are you doing something with the phone? And she goes, no, I had all these weird contacts. I started deleting them. So I had this heads up that something was going on with our phones. Well, I got home that night and I realized I had all these text messages. So it's after the game and they're coming in as phone numbers because they're not in my contacts. And I'm mm -hmm. just thinking, oh, they're my daughter's because she was deleting mine or whatever. Something's messed up. And I'm thinking, I'll deal with it tomorrow. But then I was getting, my son is still a contact, of course, because he's a contact with his sister. And so it said his name and he's texting me. I'm thinking, but it's not me, what he's saying. He, it's not making sense. He's responding to these other phone numbers. And it dawned on me, every text going to his phone and coming from him is going to my phone. Wow. In real time or was it something in that had happened in the real past? real time. Oh my so gosh. So it's after the game. He's oh. out. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. And I'm reading these messages. I was up till well after he came home. Oh my gosh. Trying to figure out which number said which? Who was he talking to? What did this mean? You had a bulletin board on the wall with a yeah. red string, like connecting <laughs> oh, people. No. And scene. I started making a note in my phone and trying to figure out who was what. Mm -hmm. Because the coach and I were good friends, obviously. I'm the team mom. And I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. I could not even tell my husband what was going on because my husband is the worst actor. I knew he would immediately say, he'd either be furious about what he was reading because it wasn't good. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It wasn't good. 
And, or he would slip up and my son would know, how did you know that? What it did is, and I'll just tell you, it went on for an entire week. I got seven days of information. Wow. And what it did is I started asking myself, I knew what to ask him now. I, the tension escalated a thousand fold because I would start asking my son questions. So how was blah, blah, blah? Who's, you know, what you been doing with blah, blah, blah? It never intimated. He started looking at me. He started getting angry. Yeah. Mm. And this is how it worked out. And this is where I think God gives you what you need. I had been troubled about just something in his heart was not resonating with mine. And I had been praying about it. Lord, what is going on? Something is, my son has changed. He's not himself. He's not happy with me. And the tension it created just got worse because now I really started asking questions. And he looked at me even one time and he said, what do you know? What are you getting at? What do you know? Oh, wow. He's assuming I knew because I'm always at the field house and I just heard rumors from other parents or everything. Because I tell him all the time, all the parents are watching you. We're all watching our kids. We're looking, you know, they they knew this, that I believed in the mom mafia. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was really coming head to head. And it got really, really bad. And finally, they won the championship. Like I said, so the football season is coming to an end. All of this is happening at the end. And he looked at me and he he came in one night. He said, I can't do it. I said, you can't do what? He goes, you, 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 you know something. You're on it. I can't do it anymore. I don't want to go. I'm not going to name the high school. Homeschool me. Hmm. And I said, what? Like they just won the, the, the state championship. He, he was a senior next year. Not that he was football scholarship. It's not like he was going after that or anything, but these were all his friends. Yeah. And he said, I can't do it anymore. Homeschooling me. And my husband went like, are you crazy? You know, you're a junior in high school. Why would you do that? He goes, I can't handle the tension. The tension at school? Between his friends and what they wanted to do mm-hmm. and what he thought I knew. Mm-hmm. And it was asking him and he knew it was wrong. Why didn't you just flat out approach him after even after the seven days, why didn't you just directly say this happened? Let's talk about it. I wanted him. So at this time, he's 17. My kind of parenting philosophy is, especially at this age, is I'm training them to come out from underneath my umbrella. So I feel like you are an umbrella to your kids. You need to protect them. You need to coach them. You need to guide them. It's it's them you're the umbrella and God, and you're training them to come out from underneath your umbrella. At some point, they need their own conscience. They need their own relationship with the Lord. They need to know, I'm not going to do this because I don't think it's right. I'm not going to just not do it because my parents don't think it's right. right. And so I was really kind of glad that he was struggling. He was struggling with this. The questions I was asking him because they were pointing him to what he was doing wrong without him e- thinking that I knew mm-hmm. it was what he was doing wrong. I, so I was enjoying the internal struggle. Yeah. I wasn't enjoying it. I was ha- happy that he was having this internal conflict. And when I say he asked me to homeschool him, this kid had never been homeschooled. This was not in his realm of anything he ever wanted to do. But he came to the conclusion that he couldn't be friends with this group and please his parents and God. Mm -hmm. I think that what the question that I had 
it led to a great example of responding instead of reacting. Right. You know, you could have reacted and just been like, what is this? But instead you responded, which they're two very different things. Which my husband would admit that he's a reactor and which is why I couldn't even tell him Mm -hmm. I had this because he would have reacted. And I think it's especially important as your kids age up to watch them struggle and be okay with it. But to pray that God gives you what you need to be that tension, to create that tension. If they don't create tension, they're going to go with the culture. Mm -hmm. And so we have to create that. Now, if your, if your child is, you know, growing up without you knowing what's going on in their life, then you're not going to create that tension. You're going to think they're fine. Right. They're just fine. This is a really hard thing for my adopted kids. Um, especially my really brilliant one. I could say this. I have a really brilliant. She's not brilliant because of us. She was so, so, so smart that she just figured out online how to do all kinds of stuff. And actually, like, <laughs> even with Florida Virtual School, it did some things that they were like, how did your daughter do this? They literally, Florida Virtual School called me. How did your daughter do this? She, she, she was brilliant. And she did, I had to have spyware on there that I could see everything she wrote and everything she did to really get ahead of her. And, and, and make Mm -hmm. sure she wasn't doing things illegally. She was Mm -hmm. that smart. So, you know, we can only protect our kids if we know where our kids are. And if your kids are online, how do you not know what they're doing? I think if you're going to spy on your kids, I think that you have to be prepared for what you might find. Um, And there are some like growing pains in that. Like when you were reading those texts, you probably, uh, not that you thought he was a perfect child, but it probably broke your heart a little bit to read his words, Mm -hmm. you know, from in in the way that he talked with his friends and the things that he was doing or thinking about doing with his friends. It kind of, in a way, um, you know, like shatters a bit of a bit of innocence in that, that picture, but it's for the greater purpose of, of then leading him Right. To make his better decision. I spent enough time down at the field to know the kind of stuff that goes on. So I think that's part of it too, is being where your kids are. Even if they say, why do you have to be the team mom? Why do you come to practice? Why do you watch me? Uh, You'll see that start to happening when they're like 12, 13, like they don't want you to be around. Mm -hmm. That's the first clue to you. You better be around more. When your child says, why are you the only mom who drives a carpool? Why are you the only mom that does this? That means they're, they're being drawn to things they don't want you to see, which means you better be there more. Mm. I have a question because um, you said you are not a reactor. Um, what about for the moms who are reactors? Do you think they should spy? Because if they can't handle the information without freaking out and maybe damaging their relationship mm-hmm. with their kid. Right. Um, I still think they have a responsibility to know yeah. you're there to guide and protect your ch- child. Mm-hmm. And as, as we get more advanced technologically as a society, there's more places for them to go that can be really damaging. I mean, this is, you know, there's all kind of addictions out there and things that their brains and minds are not ready for. Mm-hmm. Our society put so much on kids at such an early age. 
and um, may never be ready for it. And may never be. That no one should ever see and read. Mm-hmm. And right. Exactly. Experience. So that leads me to um, an article that I read that was arguing why parents should not spy on their kids. And here are three. I wanted to get your reactions to these three thoughts. This first one is basically they have to learn for themselves. This is me summarizing it. But he said, I believe that children need to learn how to manage their own online presence, what to say, share, download, upload, and what not to say, share, and upload. We have a duty to teach our kids how to be good digital citizens. So his argument is if we are spying on them and they're afraid of misstepping. They're never going to learn what a misstep is. Do you guys agree or disagree? Okay. I have one, one quick comment on that. I think I get the whole learning to manage your own presence online, but I remember being a child and researching something for a fifth grade project and seeing things mm-hmm. that I should n- no child, no person should have ever seen. Wow. And it was because at the time, I mean, that was when we just had computers and really dating myself, but there, we didn't have the security on our computer that we thought we needed. And that was a huge wake up call, I think, to my parents because mm-hmm. they were traumatized that I was traumatized. Yeah. Um, filter, get and, a filter quick. <laughs> right. And so I think, you know, yes, you can learn to manage your online presence. But as a child, sometimes things can you can stumble across on the Internet that you will never be able to manage because you have to have some sort of protection. on the And I, 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 I will say this. If you didn't teach your child manners, would they have manners? Mm. If you didn't teach your child to say please, thank you, to not take things from the another child, would they have manners? Well, to play advocate of the other side, if they take a kid's toy and that kid punches your kid in the face, he's going to learn. Mm. I think experience is a teacher, but it's not always the best teacher when the repercussions can be so severe okay so let's put it this way then let me think of another example if you um if you would your child learn math if you didn't teach him math they may learn to count what level of math exactly (laughs) and so here's the deal how much how well do you want your child to live because if you don't teach your child manners and they don't learn how to say thank you uh, they may not. They may not be beloved by their teachers or their future employers. It may hurt them if they're rude all the time. They may not have friends. They may be socially outcast. So one of my daughters was very early on the computer. Not Megan, but one of my others was emailing a friend back in the day when that's all they had. They didn't have social media, <laughs> and of course I could see what she wrote. And then she emailed her teacher, and I could see what she wrote. And the way she said it, it wasn't kind it wasn't respectful and i printed it and we went over it mm. and because she was chloe you said in the other episode you were spazzed well this 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 daughter just said whatever she yeah. thought and so you know i had to teach her you can't talk to people like that mm-hmm. yeah. um it's not kind it's not otherness you're not thinking of others and so that's training so if we will, if we don't watch our children go into social media, if we don't watch, no, if, if some parents may just let their kids go play with kids and they never tell them how to play. But I, it was important to me that, you know, you're kind, you share, you're interested in them, you teach them how to be a good friend. Now, if you don't care that your child is ever going to be a good friend, then I guess you don't have to watch them in social media. 
If you don't care that your child is taken advantage by others, then you don't have to watch. But a lot well, of if you're listening to this podcast, I would guess you care. I think that you kind of touched on it, Chloe, it, it, in response to what I was trying to do with playing devil's advocate. Um, if if your child gets you know punched in the face because he steals a kid's toy, his broken nose is going to heal. Yeah. What he might end up saying or doing or sharing online it might not be something that he can or she can heal from. It might be a, a permanent. Or he may learn to hit other kids. Yeah. He may go next time. I'm going to be the one that punches mm. somebody in the nose. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, All right. So the second point in this article, he says, and, and Megan, you kind of answered that this point with your, with your story. Um, he says, I know it's not all sunshine and rainbows on the web, I also know that many of the dangers have been overblown by the media. Most teens will never be the victim of an online predator. They won't be kidnapped. Their lives will not lives will not be destroyed by seeing the F word or a naked picture online. So he's his point is we are scared. We're parenting scared of like what is out there when most of our kids are not going to encounter that. I mean, Megan, you said you were researching something in fifth grade and just a Google search led you to. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's ruined my life. Like I wouldn't go that far, but I remember exactly what I saw and I will never forget it. It Mm. will be burned in my brain for the rest of my life. And I think the tough part was, is I was like in fourth or fifth grade and that led to a whole conversation of what pornography was and, you know, why there were women out there doing this and. I don't think I was at an age where I was ready to hear all that and know all that about the world. And I knew at some point I was going to have to grow up and learn, but it's still an innocence in me as a child that I, I was, I just, I I don't think any child should ever see. Mm -hmm. I don't think any person should ever see that. And it was just, it led to a larger conversation of having to learn about the pornography industry, which I don't think any fourth or fifth fifth grade girls should have to to well, hear about. And also there's just so much research. What if you had been a boy? Yeah. So it does light up your brain. They know that. And um, I have well, a friend. I thought it was interesting that I knew it was wrong. Like right. I was in fourth grade. Right. I was pretty young and I instantly came across it and I was like, what is, uh, I don't, well, I know this is not. And Megan, you I'm, don't even have to be a boy for like, what if it was a different reaction in you? Right. What if it was like a different, like. I don't know. Yeah. What if it awakens something else in you? Like mm-hmm. you don't know how your specific child is going to react mm-hmm. to the specific thing they see. The reality is if it's wrong and it's illegal, we don't want our kids to do it. Yeah. And so we have to go where they go. And and the reality is they're not playing on the playground anymore. Yeah. They're playing on the Internet. And so parents have to go there. You have to you wouldn't send your child uh, the teachers. You wouldn't like it if the teacher at school didn't monitor the kids in the playground. Mm. And so we shouldn't like it if nobody's monitoring our children on the online pr- playground. Yeah, It's just common sense to me. All right. So here's one more then. Third point that he makes. And you kind of touched on this at the beginning of your story, Susan. He says, we allow ourselves to do things. When we spy, we allow ourselves to do things that we would have never tolerated from our own parents. We would have never let them read our private journals. It would have been unacceptable for them to pick up the phone in the kitchen and listen in on our calls. 
Why? Why? My parents probably did that. <laughs> <laughs> this guy doesn't know. Your parents were doing that. Well, yeah, I was parents were up, doing that. I was, I was growing my up, we had one phone line and there was yes. five kids. If someone was always picking up the phone being like, get off the phone. Right. Yeah. So everyone was always listening. The difference the is house. we give our kids a phone now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have a question because I'm sure there are outlets for kids to have privacy like a journal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I journaled from the time I was like, 10 till now I love to journal still and I remember my mom being like just so you know I'm never going to read your journal that is your place to express your thoughts she said however if I see something in you that I think is dangerous and I think that you're in harm or harming yourself like I will read your journal so I think I think that there's a a place to have boundaries around like something like a journal however let's let's use a phone for an example Mm. I feel like, do your kids have phones, Abby? No, not yet. Okay, well, let's say, you know, a 14-year-old with a phone. It's not their phone. It's your phone. You oh, pay I for it, right? Oh, I would say that right? all the time. Like, it's not phone. their phone. It's your phone, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's, at some point, it's kind of like you just coaching them on how to mm-hmm. from the very beginning yeah. it's not like here's your phone son enjoy it <laughs> live it up and then a year later when there's an issue you're like oh no no it's my phone like from the very beginning like your mom did you set those ground rules of this you get to hold this this yeah. is a privilege it is mine. Yeah. This yeah. Is a privilege. Yeah. there was one time people are gonna think I'm the hardest mom but I really wasn't when one of my daughters was really like disrespectful like she just went through a period where she was so sassy whatever one day she went to school and I just turned her phone off she came home she was so mad she said did you turn my phone off my phone doesn't work and I said you know what if you can talk to your friends kindly and nicely you can talk to me that Mm. way because I'm paying for that phone well it's good um I think so much of this is just us taking parenting to where it's gone Mm. it's just a cultural shift we Mm -hmm. think it's spying because we put that word on it you're not spying if you monitor your child in the playground you monitor on the phone it's it's coaching it's training our kids it's helping them through the process of deciding what's wrong and right they don't know Mm -hmm. yeah they don't always know and they don't make the best decisions and the reality is all of science backs this up Kids' brains, and particularly boys, don't come together till they're 25, and I have two boys, and I can verify that. <laughs> my boys are great men, <laughs> but I can't say they were always smart <laughs> in their choices. And so for if nobody tells them they're wrong, they scale up, and it just it can get worse and worse. Yeah. I think that exactly what you said is the, the takeaway. We need to reframe it. It's not spying. It's, it's not I spy. It's I parent. Well, I, I just have to parent right. the way that— the culture, the technology, the dangers, whatever they are, I have to parent with those in mind. I think that that will help a lot of people feel better about it. It's it's the deceptive side of it that moms want to stay away from, but it doesn't have to be deceptive. You can be, um, well, you can be honest to a point, but I guess there does have to be some The saddest secrecy. stories I know are the ones when the police show up in the parent's door mm. and have to tell their parents something about their child. Mm-hmm. Either they've been arrested, they're on drugs, they've died, they've crashed a car, and the parents had no idea. Then the police hands the parents the phone, and they read everything, and they beat themselves up because how did I not know? Well, Anne, one thing I think is super interesting is a lot of, you know, invasion of privacy is a really big thing right now. I live in Washington, D.C., and it's constantly talked about because... 
we have so many things that are listening, our phones, Google, Alexa, yeah. you name it. Um, something is always listening and monitoring. And so I think it's really interesting that we are so hesitant to monitor our children when we are being monitored. <laughs> our kids are constantly. Mm-hmm. You know what? Amazon and Alexa know more about yeah. our kids today than we do. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yep. I know you think some people might think it's an invasion of privacy, but I think as, an, as a parent, other things are monitoring them too. So. And it's only I love transparency. And I think I try to teach my kids that too, you know, name it, claim it. Let's talk about it. What happened? What'd you do? You know what my kids, <laughs> this is this is a funny story. My kids think it's so funny to tell me stories about things they got away with that that was my mother's day present a couple years ago. My husband is out of town <laughs> and my kids were, three of my kids were home and they were honoring me for mother's day. And they go, let's tell mom what she missed. Oh my God. We howled forever. And you had, had you actually missed those things? Yeah, there were, they, they no, told me, I'm like, how did I miss that? Yeah. You know, it's funny now, but they know it was just an important thing to me. Like, let's talk about mm-hmm. it. Okay. I have a friend who said, who's, whose kids are grown and she said, my prayer was always, let me catch them the first time. Yes. Let me catch them the first yes. time they do it. Um, I'm curious what you would say uh, to the argument of, well, we have an open, you know, open house and my kids know they can come to me with anything. Um, do you believe like kids, all kids have this level of deceit in them where like they want to hide from their parents? Like, should you proactively spy or should you wait until you have this inkling that something's going on. Gosh, I don't know. For me, there usually was kind of a, a, I was kind of in tune. I liked being in tune to my kids. Like I would get a pulse on them all the time. Like I was always kind of like, oh, that was weird what they said. What was that? Um, So I didn't, I wasn't constantly checking up on them. I I wouldn't say I had time with five kids to be hyper vigilant. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just kind of hard. I just try to be there and I, like Abby mentioned this other one, I really prayed, Lord, if there's something I need to see, I want to see it. And I'll tell you what, I had five teenagers at one time and I just remember it was like guacamole. Like there was always something going on with somebody (laughs) that I was like, something is not right. You know, that Madeline said, something is not right. That Madeline, (laughs) Madeline, Madeline Madeline? story. Yeah. 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 Uh, So you just get that feeling, but there, there was an intentionality too of having those touch bases and time with them. I knew if I wanted my boys to chat about their day, I had to drive them through after a work, you know, a a practice because something about them not looking me in the eye made them talk more. And Mm -hmm. I knew my husband would go to bed when my girls, my kids were out at night and I would literally sit in the living room like reading or doing whatever until they would come home and I would follow them up the stairs <laughs> into their bedroom and hang up their clothes as they got ready for bed because I knew my girls would talk at night when they uh, came home. Mm-hmm. And so there were uh, there was an intentionality of trying to be there when I knew that they would talk. Okay, okay. yeah. And then if there was something that they said that I thought, well, that's kind of odd. In the Passionate Mom book that I wrote, I talked a lot about pondering, really listening and pondering the words they said. And if I did get that inkling, yeah, then I felt it was okay. Hmm, Maybe Mm. I need to check a few things. Maybe I need to call a mom who's a best friend. Hey, has your daughter been talking about this at all? What did she say to you? And we'd compare notes. That's the mom mafia. You know, if you think something's going down, have those moms you can call to get 
their pulse on this situation. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about spying on your kids? Tell us through the link in the show notes and you can find the links to all the things we talked about in today's show, including an article with the best resources for monitoring devices. We also provided a link to subscribe to our iMom Minute so you can get quick daily inspiration right in your inbox. Thanks for listening. The iMom Podcast is hosted and produced by Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal. Edited by Isaiah Gunther. 